Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're all ready for the national lockdown. Um, I hope everything goes very well for you and stay safe. And of course, just remain focused for the next four weeks. So today is your Property News Live. So good morning, folks. It is Wednesday. It's lockdown tomorrow. And as I said, I think we need to remain focused. Now, if you would like um, more property content, then please do head over to my Facebook page. And that is Rick Gannon UK. And on there, I share uh, live updates. I share loads of property content. I also have a group called the HMO and Property Community Group. We've got nearly 18,500 active landlords in that group. And it's great that we've got a really good, positive place to be where everyone can hang out. So if you're lonely or if you've got any thoughts or any questions or anything at all that you're not sure of during lockdown and what your rights are and your entitlements and what you can and what you can't do regarding viewings, etc., <clears throat> then please do excuse me, <laughs> please do head over to one of those groups. So in the news today, it's threatened to be a thing for quite some time, but for one reason or another, co-living has failed to catch on in any discernible way. And it's often found itself swallowed up in the fast growing build to rent movement. It is still not entirely clear what the distinction between the two models is, with both prioritising community amenities and gyms, workspaces and roof terraces, etc. Now, there's a guy called Simon Bird, who is a director at LOM Architecture and Design. And he says that the co-living model, which has grown out of the BTR sector, could now be coming of age. And he says that these last few months of lockdown have been an opportunity for many to reevaluate re even how they live and how they want to live in the future. What we require from a home has now changed. While desirable locations are changing, so too is our idea of desirable housing. People have higher expectations around quality, amenity and community. Co-living developments give each resident their own bedroom and bathroom and then access to communal dining areas, kitchens and lounges with shared use of facilities. Some may include gyms, workspaces, bike storage or roof terraces. <clears throat> now, I don't know what the difference is between co-living and HMO. I think it's kind of the same thing, but he's referring to this as co-living. He goes on to say that co-living also gives residents the opportunity to live in a sociable environment and to take advantage of a much wider variety of facilities that would be available to them in an individual apartment or flat share. This is why I believe the model has a special relevance in a post-COVID world, he says. We've all felt starved of that human connection during lockdown Co-living is an option that gives access to social events and communal spaces in a way that is unmatched by any other housing model. For a country on the brink of a loneliness crisis, many are crying out for a style of living that brings people together rather than keeping them apart. Working at a dinner table 
or in the corner of the spare bedroom can be isolating. And Bird says with many co-living developments now aiming to counter this by offering specially designed co-working spaces, helping to build back that workspace atmosphere whilst retaining the convenience of working from home. There's also the simplicity of the product, he argues. Renters are increasingly looking for ease and a single all-in cost for accommodation is extremely attractive with co-living rents covering all of your bills, fast broadband housekeeping, management and maintenance and the upkeep of on-site facilities. Bird believes that co-living products are going to be especially relevant to city centres as they look to reinvent themselves post-COVID. Living tends to appeal to a younger urban demographic who are typically willing to sacrifice a bit of private space to live in a higher quality accommodation. So there you have it folks, co-living. Co-living, HMO, flat chair, it's all the same thing, depends on what title you want to give it. And I've been kind of banging the drum for a while now saying that post-COVID HMOs are going to be one of the most popular strategies moving forward for all of the above reasons. Next on today's news, residential property searches by local councils have skyrocketed by as much as 1,400% as house hunters race to buy and beat the end of the stamp duty holiday. Kate Bold, the Managing Director of Index West Midlands Property Information, says the current situation is without doubt unprecedented. She fears, she fears the growing wait times for councils to process searches and information requests is around 40 days and it poses a real threat that hundreds of home buyers will miss out on saving as much as £15,000 on stamp duty. Some councils had already positioned themselves very well and consequently have coped with the huge upturn in the market. She explains, typically those that have not digitised and rely on old paper-based processes are the councils that are struggling to cope and this is causing major delays for the home buying process. The latest figures show local councils are taking up to 42 days to return local searches on properties, but some are blaming intermediaries for the delays, which Bold says is simply untrue. Arguing that intermediaries are not cumbersome but invaluable, they deliver a good customer service that capitalise on their hard-earned, good working relationships with councils. They also have the knowledge and expertise to anticipate and navigate the current issues. This is key to the processing. We are constantly shifting to adjust the changes and any hurdles arising from councils that all operate and hold their data differently. Now according to Bold there are over 340 local authorities across the UK and searches are managed differently in each one. So turnaround time usually takes anything from 48 hours to several weeks. Many local authorities only have small teams working in the land charges department, so during busy periods it can take longer for them to return search results, but volumes and day processes have never been like they are now. However, home buyers are already agreeing a sale, that home buyers that are already agreeing a sale <clears throat> are facing significant delays with completion taking on average 15 to 17 weeks to complete. 
This time frame presents additional challenges if mortgage offers have been on the table for a while and are set to expire, but also clearly brings into doubt whether everything will complete on time for them to benefit from the stamp duty holiday. She continues to say that um, this clearly brings into doubt whether everything will complete on time for them to benefit from the stamp duty holiday and those beginning their property search should accept now that it's unlikely they will get the keys before the end of March, particularly with the Christmas holiday season on the horizon and the short supply and demand for conveyancing solicitors. So folks, that's your brief update today. Stay safe. We're going into lockdown tomorrow. I'll be here. Don't worry. I'm going to continue with my news feed and continue to bring you up to date. And if you could be so kind to pop over to that review button and leave me a review for the podcast, that would be awesome. And until tomorrow, folks, take care and don't forget to have some fun.